on this episode of War No Damn Experts. We have our first repeat guest on the podcast, and we can't wait for you to hear about the Lewis and Clark Festival coming up this weekend here in Great Falls. Best damn podcast, the best damn town. You want to get up, get ready to get down. Welcome to the greatest damn town in Montana, Great Falls. I'm Rebecca Ingham. And I'm Maricela Hazard. And we're no damn experts. Now I'm going to preface today's episode with Maddie might not be as chipper as she normally is. And neither is our guest because we're <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> it's not our normal demeanor. But we are super excited to be this exhausted because we are recording the week of the BMW Motorcycle Owners Association 2021 National Rally. That is on day two, and we only have one and a half more days to go. Over 5,000 motorcycles are in our town, and we have been at the Montana Expo Park letting everyone know about the best damn town in Montana. My voice might be a little raspy, but that's because I have been talking about our guest all day long. And he says it's been working because they're having almost record numbers there at the Interpretive Center. Mm, so without, for sure. without further ado, please welcome to the podcast for Back. a second, yeah. second time, oh. Dwayne Bushai, who is uh, at the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center. He's a retired Chief Master Sergeant from the Air Force. So thank you for your service. Mm. And uh, thanks for being here again today. And my pleasure. Yeah, looking forward to it. Although I plan to be a little more rested than I am, but it's been a good day. Yeah, we also had uh, the, what is it, the sun, I'm sorry, the Deep Creek Fire. Oh, yeah, yeah. Deep Creek Fire. Deep Creek Fire, and you responded to that. So you're just all about Montana, putting out fires literally everywhere. (laughs) I'll just shout out thank you for getting that out in time. We can finally route people through the southern part of our ride loops that we always encourage people to go down Highway 89 over to Townsend through Deep Creek. There was a lot of diversions. But, hey, you know what? That uh, that ends up opening up silver linings for people to see things that they didn't expect to see and do some things they didn't expect to do and meet some people they didn't expect to meet. So yep, there you go. Uh, most of the ones that, uh, that I ran into, and again, when I go out on these wildfires, I end up serving as a public information officer. So that's what I do is deal with people that are doing things they didn't expect to be doing. <laughs> All right, we're going to pause for a second. Yeah. I need you to be closer to your microphone. All right. Um, is that good? Yeah, that's a lot better. Okay. Because your mouse right here. There. Should be good. Scoot your chair back if you need to. All right. Does that sound better? So much better. Oh, good. Yeah, so working as a public information officer, you're dealing with people that have been, uh, some of them have been evacuated out of their homes. Oh. A lot of people that are traveling, vacationing in the state of Montana, and yeah, have been referred by you to take <laughs> go through the Deep Creek Canyon, and suddenly they can't make it anymore, so they're stuck in Townsend or White Sulphur, or you have some that uh, they hear about a old by-road on a, that goes on the forest, 
over the mountains and through the woods, and then they get up there and realize, oh no, my little Honda is not going to do so well out here. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Surprise. you get to meet all kinds, but uh, yeah, grateful for uh, the Type One team that came in, uh, the IC Mike Gokachia and and his group. They've done a phenomenal job, and so yeah, I think today ninety five percent containment is where they're at on that fire. Awesome to hear. Yeah, summer is usually littered with construction season is one of the one of the big things that happens in Montana in the summer and then one unfortunately thing. fires. Yeah, construction yeah. and fires. North yeah. of the Mason Dixon the they're gonna do construction in the summer. So we we've been greeting guests all day at the uh, for the BMW rally and we get people walking up and obviously they want to know where the falls are. But I would say an equal number of people, if not more Say, so where's the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center? What what am I supposed to see here? And thank goodness I know something about it. <laughs> uh, so I pull out the maps. I'll let them know. Their address is 4201 Giant Springs Road here in Great Falls, Montana, located along the River's Edge Trail. And they're open seven days a week from 9 to 5 hey, hey. or 6. Yes, 9 to 5. And they have uh, the theater open as well, where they're airing some portions of the Ken Burns documentary from PBS and other informational segments about the trail. And then I tell them, the park rangers, they are the best in the country. <laughs> and you can't stump them, and I've tried. So that and the volunteers that are at the front desk, they're pretty sassy. Um, I was supposed to drop by some Montana masks, so I'm going to ask for you to take some before you leave for Tr or Tish and Judy, I believe. Oh, yes. Yeah. You must have come on a Wednesday. I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so That's they, the Wednesday team. They, they, were, uh, they were great over there. So uh, earlier this week, we had a family of four in, and they wanted to know what to do. So I told them about the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center and how they can spend hours upon hours there. And I ran into them last night at the downtown market, and they flagged me down, and they said they had a blast. Oh, oh that's really good to hear. It is really good. My husband's like, who is this family? <laughs> and I said, I don't even remember their names, but I know I told them where to go. Um, but they had it's a not very often we get that kind of feedback. Like, no, yes, don't that's go fantastic. do something and come back and say that was great. And that's happened actually once to me this week and then once to you. So great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 25% of our visitors that come to Great Falls end up where you are because they want to be on the, the part of the trail, the historic trail. And other people that I've met this week said, we've been to other interpretive centers. And I said, well, ours is better <laughs> and right? bigger. And they're like, are you sure? And I said, yeah, the one you went to back east, wherever it was, it only included that portion of the expedition. Mm. But here in Great Falls, those fools, not fools, those misinformed <laughs> men thought that they could get through the area in, what, five days? Well, actually, before they, uh, uh, before the Lewis did the little reconnaissance and found the five waterfalls, they thought, thought maybe a half a day or a day to make the portage around the one waterfall that they expected to find. Hmm. Lo and behold, 32 days later. Right. They've made it past. And I've been telling people that the anniversary of them running out of whiskey is coming up. And I'm like, what day is that? <laughs> We're going to celebrate that with, with fireworks, <laughs> a baseball game, and the right? 4th of July. Like, exactly. July 4th, 1805, the men ran, a whis ran, ran out of whiskey. But another thing I like to tell them is that you were going to be on our podcast again. You were on earlier, and our whole intention was to talk about the Lewis and Clark Expedition, the Interpretive Center here in Great Falls, but the entire episode's about John Coulter. <laughs> which was fun <laughs> and it, great. He's an exciting character. 
And it was amazing because I got to share with these people the little bit of snippet of information that I gathered from you. But yeah. I still sound like a genius. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making us sound smarter. And I'm just regurgitating <laughs> things that you've said. And I said, that's what's so fascinating about the Lewis and Clark expedition and the entire journey is that, yeah, you want to talk about these two men. But here I am visiting with one of the park rangers and we did an entire segment about John, John Coulter, and now he has his own hell in Yellowstone. Right. So it's little parts like that. Rebecca's a liar, too. Yep. <laughs> well refined. And uh, she tells people about where... Uh, uh, Sacagawea's son Pompey was born. Oh. And the story I tell is um, pretty impressive. And I think the key to lying is to not know it's false, what your information is telling. So Makes it sound so much more convincing. Or to believe your own lie. So I was on a random road trip with colleagues, professional colleagues, and um, we were going to stop at Pompey's Pillar. And on the way, I'm telling them, yeah, you know, the reason Pompey's Pillar's name is the way it is is because that is where Pomp was born. They hiked up to this high point so that they could safely deliver Pomp into the world without having any concerns <laughs> and thus Pompey's Pillar. And they're like, oh, that's so amazing. That's so awesome. I'm like, I know. We get to the uh, Pompey's Pillar. We start talking with the rangers and my colleagues are like, yeah, we heard this is where Pompey was born and <laughs> why it was born. And the rangers like, that is 100% not the truth at all. <laughs> They're like, really? And I'm like, huh. I don't know where I came up with it then. Like, I don't just come up with these stories on my own. Someone had to have told me. So someone else with great conviction shared this story with me and I've continued to share it. Now I know it is a lie. It is not true. That's not what happened at all. So do you know the the story of (laughs) Pomp's birth into this world? No. We don't. According to me, it happened at Pompey's Pillar. Uh, 11 February, 1805. See, you can just, okay. Not even on his notes. I don't know why the man brought notes, but anyway, go ahead. They're, uh, so Lewis and Clark and the Corps of Discovery, they've made it to Fort Mandan, what we refer to as Fort Mandan. They're in the Knife River Indian villages there and, uh, wintering over and they've met up with Tassant Charbonneau, who is Sacago husband. And uh, she is with child, and she gives birth on the 11th of February of 1805, a cold day as it was referred to. And then uh, Lewis uh, makes remarks about uh, this man, Jerome. She's having difficulty in labor, and his recommendation to help ease uh, the the labor is to uh, take two buttons of the rattlesnake tail and to crush those with a small amount of water with your fingers and administer, you know, much like... uh, Take your medicine. Uh, anyway, uh, apparently it did seem to ease the burden a bit, uh, but uh, Lewis would mention that he's not completely confident in its efficacy. Oh. But uh, would be born into this uh, world uh, with the aid or at least the story of two buttons of a rattlesnake tail to help ease that birth into this world. But yeah, And then 58 days later, he strikes out with the rest of the expedition to go all the way to the Pacific Coast and back. Well, of course. I mean, he's tough. All right. Wow, I've never done that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other story that um, I share a lot is somewhat factual, and I don't delve into much detail simply because I do not have it, 
is on the Sulphur Springs Trail Loop that we can point out on the River's Edge Trail, oh, yeah. where you can see where the portage started across the river, but also see the Sulphur Springs that still exist today. And these are the healing waters that helped save Sakakawea's life. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, when they came into this area, she's not doing so good. Um, now, you know, there's certainly probably a malady that she had been dealing with for quite some time that would uh, uh, end up uh, leading to a premature death, but uh, it wasn't on the expedition. But she gets here, they'd been already trying to help her, and one of the practices that was used then was bleeding. So uh, if, I'm, if memory serves me correctly, I think she had been bled three times in the last 48 hours before she arrived into this area. So we know today that that really uh, is uh, not helpful to any malady you might be dealing with. <laughs> Don't do it today. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, they're coming into this area in June and we've already had some pretty warm days. So uh, certainly out uh, exposed to the weather and the elements and, uh yeah, not doing very good at all. Uh, he, Lewis is pretty worried about her. He would dispatch some men to go uh, to this spring, this sulfur spring that he had uh, seen previously, and there to get some water, bring it back to her. They administer to her. And uh, the next day, yeah, she does seem to show improvement. Um, probably the fact that she had some hydration did a lot of good <laughs> as well. But So uh, she did drink the sulfur water. She did drink the sulfur water. Ooh. Yes, she did. So I often tell people, I'm like, I don't know how it saved. I don't know if she drank it, if they soaked her in it, because it's not very deep. It might have been in the day, but it's only a few inches deep. So I was like, I don't know. But the, these are the healing waters. So now I know. I can tell them. And they took the water up in a canteen and then took it back to her. So she wasn't actually at the spring. Oh. Lewis dispatched another, some men over there. Another lie from Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> I admit it. I had no idea what happened with the water. <laughs> <laughs> I just know they it had saved her life somehow. It's kind of a neat trail, uh, too, because it's open to the public. It's on public land. And if you drive out to Moroni Dam, yep. that's where the parking lot and trailhead is uh, out there. And so it's 3.8 miles round trip. Um, and it does give you a great vantage point to look across the Missouri and see the where the lower Portage Camp would have been and Portage Creek, the one we call Belt Creek today. Uh, where the where the portage would all begin and you're just you're looking at history and nice trail though oh yeah and always be safe on it because again rattlesnakes are in the area uh, and that's their we'll call it their living room so when you're out traipsing around on sulfur springs trail loop um be cognizant that you could be in a rattlesnake's living room it's their space give it to them um Absolutely. If you, if you do want to call and leave me a voicemail about a coiled rattlesnake that you saw at Sulphur Springs Trail, they want me to put a sign out there. Um, please know that someone already has done that. And um, the appropriate authorities have been, have notified. been notified. Well, that's very interesting. I hadn't heard that. We just had a guy out at Sulphur Springs Trail today actually doing some trail work. I'll have to ask him about that. Yeah, they... Um, they left a voicemail, like, I'm not sure what you're going to do about this, but something needs to get done. Here's the insider's <laughs> secret. We won't do anything about it. And no one it's was nature. I'm no not bringing it home. <laughs> not bringing it home and putting it in an aquarium. Well, one time I told this uh, visitors, these two, a young couple, to go to the first people's buffalo jump. And the boyfriend is so concerned about his girlfriend, saying she's scared mm. of bugs. Is there going to be bugs there? I said, Yes. What about snakes? I said, yes, snakes are in the area. I've been there multiple times. 
I have not encountered anything. All right, I'm going to take her. Within the hours, he messages us on Instagram because that's where he's getting um, the information. He didn't want to email us. And he said, here's a picture of the rattlesnake we saw in the parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, well, lucky you. I've been there six times and uh, not one rattlesnake that your first time, good for you. Luck's on yours. A charmed life. Exactly. So um, there are rattlesnakes in the area, but where aren't they? (laughs) what i'm trying to say Uh, is it's not unique to great falls we're not just the only place where rattles shake and they move they move around the area so if you found them in one spot they may not be there again so speaking of snakes i heard that you guys for your lewis and clark interpreter i always it's just part of my it's the next word i'm supposed to say after clark (laughs) the lewis and clark festival which is going to be july 9th 10th and 11th of 2021 this year on the 10th is when you're going to have all of the events. And I heard that you are going to have a snake presentation where live snakes will be there. And people can learn about the ones that they could possibly encounter on hikes and the ones that Lewis and Clark saw in the expedition. Those rumors are absolutely true. Well, hopefully it's not a rumor because I heard it from the executive director. <laughs> you're not a liar. <laughs> He's... So the executive director of the Lewis and Clark Foundation isn't a liar. Great to hear. Um, <laughs> no, that is, I'll confirm that, yep, that is the absolute truth. So it's a snake handler. Is there going to be an opportunity for a photo ops like we're in you know, Mexico and they throw a snake on you and you take a picture? Or is it going to be stay away? <laughs> so I've been to some of his presentations before, and there are some snakes that uh, are of no threat right. to uh, somebody getting a little close to them and maybe seeing what their scales feel like and that kind of thing. So, yeah, Jeremy Alstead is going to be the uh, gentleman giving the presentation, and it's from 10 to 12 on the 10th of July. Okay. If you come to the Interpretive Center, they'll be able to give you direction. It's going to actually take place down right along the river where he'll do his presentation. But, yeah, he will... I, I don't know the lineup of snakes he's bringing out, who the stars of the of the morning are going to be, but uh, typically he'll have some rattlesnakes, some bull snakes, maybe some green racers, some of the snakes that uh, they're going to race are, the snakes. Well, are you going to bet? I I don't think we'll see any of that, but that that could be an exciting event. Too. Hey, you guys got tons. <laughs> of stuff We got horse going racing on. in Great Falls. We can do snake <laughs> <Right>. racing. <laughs> Are you going to, like, tape their mouth shut? Like, well, what kind of safety precautions are there? <laughs> well, the rattlesnake is, will that? be in a, an aquarium. Oh, he's not going to take it out? Mm, I, I've never seen him take it out. Oh, man, not be- that it, but if he hears this, it might be a challenge to say, oh, well, yeah, I can take it out. But no. Norma Ashby is, is going to listen to this right now and be like, don't you dare. <laughs> um, if you need to know what we're referencing, you got to listen to our Western yeah. Art Week episode. There are people like Rebecca who don't stay behind the lines at museums at, um, and they want to touch the paint. They're like, what does this oil painting feel like? And then they have <laughs> Very fries. few boundaries on my side. <laughs> they have French fries in the other hand and they're just... So I'm assuming there's going to be someone similar like Rebecca but with snakes and it's going to open the aquarium and be like, what's this guy do? He's <laughs> probably going to have to get through somebody before they could jeopardize yeah. their, their, their security? health and safety. All right. yes. That is a good deal. Okay. Also, the snakes will be alive, but you're going to have a dead animal there. There will be a dead animal. That is true. And it'll be a disrobed dead animal. Yes, so you guys are going to skin a beaver. Yeah, the Lewis and Clark Honor Guard will be as part of their uh, different demonstrations they're doing throughout the day. One of them is going to be a beaver skinning demonstration. I have many questions just based on this uh, piece of information. 
Is it going to be a fresh, a fresh carcass? They hunting it the night before. Is it coming out of the freezer and it's being defrosted? It's probably going to have been in the freezer okay. at, at one point, and then a slow thaw for thirty six hours prior. <laughs> thirty six days, <laughs> and that's the best way to get your meat done. <laughs> that that is my presumption. Okay, he's done these before. And that's what's the crowd what like? Do. What's the what's the crowd's response? Well, there's some of them that are Faith. mortified. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then, then there's some that. that are absolutely fascinated. And then there's those that are kind of in the in between there that are like, I, I really can't believe I'm watching, <laughs> watching this. this. And it is rather fascinating. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah. I, I find watching someone skin something is really kind of cool. Just from a... This, from a morbid a serial no, killer standpoint? Like the, <laughs> The process and the the attention to detail and all of the things that go into it. And you have to remember, they lived off the land, Lewis and Clark did. I know, but you're like, attention to detail and murdering factor. And I'm not like, I'm, I'm not against hunting or having meat or... She doesn't like bugs, I've learned. No, we have the invasive species guy on and yeah. he just, it's just creepy crawly stuff. Like, no. <laughs> I'm it not, was awesome. I'm not the first person to ever disagree. I'm not deathly afraid of them. I'll kill a bug if I have to, but I'm not going to stare at pictures and wonder why they're here and what they do. <laughs> no, thank you. The only reason I know about some of these events is, like I said, I met with the executive director of, director of the foundation, and I'm trying to end this video because it's supposed to be just a short five-minute segment, and yeah. it was probably a little closer to nine minutes. Any double the fun then, right? It is. But I, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, get more information later. And he's like, wait, one more thing. We're going to skin a beaver. Wait, <laughs> one more thing. There's going to be live snakes. Oh, and we're going to do a cooking demonstration. And then that's when I'm like, do we get to eat the food? What are you going to cook? Do you know that? So they're going to they're going to be cooking. Beaver? Uh, <laughs> I would hope so. You know, beaver, beaver tail stew. is pretty good. Okay. That's the only part of a beaver I've ever eaten, and I'd eat it again. And you call yourself a ranger. <laughs> <laughs> what else would wow. they? What else would they cook um, besides the poop? Well, they so on the expedition, the the traditional way of cooking the meat in most cases is in hot oil. So they're gonna heat the oil up, and then so imagine fondue, right? That's what we call that today. Right. Cooking our food in in hot oil. Well, yeah, that's so that's the. I'm only aware of a cheese fondue. <laughs> I am aware of oil, but my my greater concern is where did the oil come from? Because you had, and where does it go? I know so, where it comes from today. The grocery store. <laughs> oil six. seed processing for those of you that are not grocery store fans, but. So have you ever heard of tallow? Yeah. No. All right. Speak well, to me like I'm an eight year old. <laughs> All right, so we all know that... That has that, uh, the maturity of a five-year-old. <laughs> all animals have uh, an, fat on their bodies, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, if you were to kill a, a bison or maybe kill a grizzly bear, grizzly bears have a lot of fat. Bison have a lot of fat. So you're going to trim that fat and you're going to heat it up and cook it down. And the byproduct that comes off of rendered fat is tallow. Okay. And if you keep it in a sealed container, uh, it'll keep for quite a long time. On the on the expedition, that's what they used to anything that needed lubrication, even if it was a salve for sore hands, uh, lubrication on a weapon, um, cooking grease. 
yeah. grease to help uh, stop corrosion on on weapons. Uh, tallow was commonly used. So um, also of interest back in the, I know up through the 70s, McDonald's was famous for their French fries. Still are. They, they, cook, they used to cook them in beef tallow. Mm. Oh. Uh, so it imparts a, a nice flavor for sure. And uh, so you're going to get a little introduction to that. Uh, there. Cooking methodology. Yeah, so absolutely. just bring French fries with you and <laughs> this is what they were eating. And an imagination. Because how many pounds of meat were was each man eating a day? I the, love that question. I cause <laughs> <laughs> because you get it a lot? I do. And it, it's I, I love the response I get from people when I give them the answer because most people are just absolutely incredulous. They just It's hard to put their mind around. Um, but yeah, so they're consuming uh, roughly seven to nine pounds of meat per person per day. Maybe not pump, but <laughs> for those that Maybe are. Maybe a little. Four and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the rest but, of them, yeah, they're consuming uh, a lot of meat every day. And I, to put that in terms that we understand a little better today, I like to tell, you know, we all know what a Big Mac or a Whopper is. So those are quarter pound beef patties. Yeah. So 28 of those minus a bun, that's seven pounds. That gives you a little bit of a, a visual of how much meat they're eating per man per day. But, they, you know, they don't have buns. They don't have carrots. They don't have apples. I mean, there's a lot of things they don't have. So all you get to eat is meat, and hopefully you can find some berries, and maybe there's some shrubs <laughs> make a salad out of. Oh, that is poisonous. poop. <laughs> like you're eating. No. <laughs> Just for some privacy, because, man... Nine pounds of of meat a day? Yeah, no. Roughly 6,000 calories a day is what they're consuming. They were doing a lot of work, people. Yes. They were. They were. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, you know, I always like to make that comparison when they, you know, they, they ate well on the expedition until they got to the Rocky Mountains or the Shining Mountains as they were referred to. But, uh, yeah, then they go from 6,000 calories a day to about 250 calories a day. Ooh, uh, people will drink that in their morning Slurpee thing they buy at, at Starbucks. Goodness. Right? Yeah. Wow. Actually, there's, I, some of those have like 1,000, 1,200 yeah, calories. I know. Like, I'm just drinking coffee. <laughs> You're a liar. Yeah. You're drinking syrup. <laughs> yeah. Could have got a milkshake at Dairy Queen. Would have been the same thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> That's why you have cookie for breakfast. That's fine. That's good breakfast food. Um so what happened then when they're going through the Rocky Mountains, not being able to find as much meat and berries and forage to make salads and that kind of stuff? Um, what do they do? Well, they're uh, they're left with some choices and not. Who did they eat? <laughs> Nobody died. No, but they don't. They don't eat anybody, but they do uh, consume a few of the horses, the young ones. That weren't able to bear, uh, oh. chose them as they're not able to bear as much of the weight as the others were bearing. And they needed something. And then they also had something. Have you heard of portable soup? Have we talked about portable soup? No. Oh, no. Something new. Something I mean, new. I learned about condensed soup that happened in the 1900s. It was like condensed soup in a can at the grocery store. <laughs> I'm going to so, go with no. Yeah, you, you, you take that and condense it even more. So today it's kind of like the precursor to the modern day bouillon cube that we oh, okay. throw in, in our soup to give it yeah. some flavor, really salty. So yeah, same, uh, same kind of idea. It is... Uh, you start out with uh, some meat and vegetables and you boil it down 
and boil it down and evaporate it and eventually end up with these tiny little about half inch by a half inch squares that are maybe about anywhere from a sixteenth to an eighth inch thick and uh, you reconstitute with a little water yeah a couple hundred calories at best wow and, uh, and <laughs> with that drop in calories they don't have the stamina or the strength then to move at the paces they did when they were at six and nine thousand calories well and they also do, though they don't have the choice to just quit either right because they're in the keep midst going. of some really really difficult terrain uh the weather is miserable you know they're uh, again they're they're freezing all the time and they they don't have the calories to help generate the heat so it it's a pretty miserable time is, i have a whole lot of quit in me and it's i'm so just and i have shared this with people time and time again I wouldn't have gotten this far. I'd have given up shortly after leaving St. Louis. I mean, yeah, no. Um, I think that's hilarious that you just said that because I'm heading back from the trade show and yeah. I'm like, I need to get some food. I'm getting a headache. I need to get some food. And if I'm a little late, I'm, that's just what it is. You know, <laughs> I'm going to be a little late then, but I need this food. So I have the option of saying no. <laughs> I will not continue on without food. I will go get my salad from Harvest Craft Kitchen because I've been telling people all day about it. But then you're like, there's no option in quitting. You have to go on with your, your right. soup paper and, <laughs> and go through the mountain. I don't like these men. Like, <laughs> they, seem, uh, they seem crazy to me. Superhuman. The, yeah, soup. Ha, ha, her, human. <laughs> that was going to go downhill from, from here, the, folks. Yes. <laughs> so, also in the festival, they were saying that you guys are going to do the black powder demonstration at the end, like fire off all the weapons. Yeah. They, so, the way they're going to do that, there will be um, uh, black powder demonstrations throughout the day. Okay. Uh, basically, on the hour, just but single firings. Okay. And then uh, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, they're going to do what the honor guard likes to call the guns of thunder. Okay, that's what I meant. Guns Ooh. of thunder. And so they'll give a little interpretive narration on the particular weapons uh, that they're going to be firing, and then they will shoot them all in, in unison. So, yeah, it's a, mm. it's a neat event to be able to take in. And they'll all be dressed in their period clothing, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Are they going to be firing the bullets that they made earlier in the day? Because you're doing bullet making too, right? So they will not be firing any projectiles. Oh. Everything that they will be firing will be blanks. Um, I yeah. guess that's kind of good think for that's safer. Safety. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't. Thank you, Honor Guard, for being smarter than us. <laughs> you can still do it safely. It's just going to take a lot more planning, clearing. Oh, um, no. No. Yes. No. We have people in Yellowstone that don't know to stay away from bison and bears. We're not doing anything. <laughs> so I'm trying to explain Yellowstone to these people. Yeah. We have this digital pass that you can put on your phone. It gives you all this information. And I said, here's just an area where it tells you how to recreate responsibly because not everyone knows not to take the baby bison or try and cook some chicken in the geyser. She looks at me like I'm lying. <laughs> She's like, you're kidding, right? And just no. thinks I'm just there for, you know, entertainment. Jason is thankfully right next to me. He says, no, she's serious. Uh, they try that every year. <laughs> like, yes, they do. we're telling people not to do it for a reason. 
So I guess I, I maybe we shouldn't have the bullets. I think that's a solid solid decision. But you'll it's still di- make them, right? Nobody will ever know <laughs> that the bullets aren't there because it still makes all the same boom. It's They're going to know because everybody listens powder. to our podcast. It's the number one podcast in Montana. Yeah. Well, okay. So they'll we've know. We've changed. We've changed since we've lost uh, <laughs> our We're status. We're kind of a big deal now. We aren't on world tour status yet, but it's coming. It's coming. We did get at someone in our office earlier this week that asked for my autograph. Um, wow. Because yeah. of the podcast. That, that's another stage. <laughs> We have fan mail from North Carolina came for a package. We've been getting this package that we shouldn't have been getting in the mail for three weeks. And I'm like, oh, the package is for us. And Rebecca's like, it's not for us. Give it back to the mailman. (laughs) And I said, no, Rebecca, it says, visit Great Falls, Montana. Attention, we're no damn experts. And we squeal like a pig, which you're supposed to do. Squeal on pigs, not like a pig. And the mailman's All like, right, what's, what's going on? <laughs> so he gets worried. And I said, she's had her anthrax vaccine. That's why she gets to open the mail. Don't worry. <laughs> you can do it, too. <laughs> yeah, I've had mine a long time ago. <laughs> it should still work. Let's yeah. test it out. But so he came back and we shared with him why we were excited to get mail. <laughs> so people do listen to the podcast. They send us mail and they're going to let you know, Dwayne, we know that you guys didn't. We had blanks. During yeah. the guns of thunder, it was a blank thunder, no rain. Thank goodness. It won't take away from the show. No, it won't. And but you can still see the bullets being cast. Okay. Because they will cast some lead bullets and demonstrate how that was done during the expedition. The thing we talked about a little bit, the the mysterious thunder from the mountains. Oh, Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that again for the people that didn't want to listen to the horrible sound in our previous episodes? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a new discovery? Well, about the the, yeah. the mysterious sound coming from the mountains. Um, remember the weather the, sounds? The, coming out of what we would refer to as Sun Canyon Yes. Uh, today, and it's sounding like uh, cannon fire. Yep. Uh, and it, yeah, it's... And no one knows what it is. Not for sure. Okay. Everybody has theories. Everybody has lots of theories, and we talked a little bit about how sometimes, you know, over if you've got an inversion in place. Oh, yeah, that now I remember. You remember? <laughs> and sometimes you can get a reflection off of uh, sound yeah. that will reverberate, and it could go off far, far distance. Uh, even the sound of thunderclaps could go hundreds of miles. So option one is weather. Option two is Bigfoot ghosts firing off cannons. It does kind of give a feeling of legendary mystique. It, I mean, the whole thing is just crazy, yeah. the, what they did. And, the, and because it's so crazy and amazing, uh, astounding, we have that festival. But you're also going to do a float trip that's limited to 21 people on the 11th. And you're going to just show up at the interpretive center. You guys are going to take them out, include lunch even, and then come back. So you really don't even have to be an experienced float. Are floater. we floating starting from the interpretive center? I don't think this is. No, it's a shuttle, Rebecca. You're going to yeah. rendezvous for your transportation. Okay. Oh, yeah. There we go. It's down at Gates of the Mountains then? So here's the most important thing about that. If somebody is interested in taking part... Uh, in that float trip, they're going to need to make advance reservations because, as you said, there's only a limited amount of seats. So they'll need to call Because it's a down. raft. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can only hold so many. It's only so many allowed in the raft. Dugout hey. canoe could only hold so many. How, well, what if you just brought another raft? Um, that's not. You need a guide in your raft too. Right. Hey, I gotta know this guy, Dwayne. <laughs> You're gonna. I could guide. It's not gonna be very good, but you'll be entertained. Might get one star review. <laughs> Don't worry, she's not on. Not help. from the best damn experts, though. <laughs> we are no damn experts. Are you gonna be on the trip? Are you guiding? I am not on that trip. But for anybody that wants any information about it. Get a pen and paper and write down this number. Area code 406-452-5661. And uh, that's the number where you can make your reservation, get more information about it. Um, it is going to be, uh, comes at a cost. It's $99 per person. Oh, cheap. And, you uh, get lunch. But, I know. Yeah, you get and scenery. lunch and a shuttle and scenery. And, and knowledge. And uh, some knowledge on the heritage Accurate of the area. knowledge. <laughs> You can book with We're No Damn Experts for 25 bucks. You bring your own food and your own raft, and we'll head out one you day. You give us a life jacket. And <laughs> Adventure and of a lifetime. <laughs> we show up where you need us to be. We're not going to supply anything. <laughs> and you will get information, and most of it is likely going to be incorrect. Just let you guys know, 406 is the area code for every place in Montana and not everyone knows that it's not part of the orientation when visitors come in and it should be it really should be someone yeah. comes to our, our booth today and says there's a booth over there called 406 aren't you guys the same I'm like, no <laughs> <laughs> we're all 406 there's everybody is so thanks for including that area code because when people visit to Great Falls some businesses only put seven digits and yeah. I sometimes even forget. People are like, what's the phone number? And I'll start 761. They're like, what's the area code? 406. Like, <laughs> like it is everywhere, right? But one of the most, I guess, coveted experiences for the festival is going to be the presentation at Great Falls High School. By Dr. Gary Moulton. Yeah, because it's been seven years since he's come to Great Falls, right? Is that what Jay Russell said? He did. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I did my own research. <laughs> <laughs> she she that studied. That sounds close, but it's like uh, yeah, I'm confirming what he said. I'm trying to do public math here in my mind, but that uh -oh. sounds about right. So, so, Dr. Gary Moulton, where is he from? <laughs> what? Who is he? Crickets. <laughs> Crickets. No one knows Crickets where he's Illinois. from. <laughs> it's a small town, but he's the most versed, well versed. What's his stamp of authority? So he doctor. is the uh, he's the editor of the Lewis and Clark journals. There. Oh wow. Yeah, um, so if you were to go like to the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center and buy the thirteen volume set of the journals of Lewis and Clark, the edited journals, uh, that you'd be reading his work. Oh, wow. That he did with that. So, and yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we're getting a fantastic opportunity. It's free. Uh, the gym will be able to hold a lot of people. You know, that was kind of the challenge is finding, and as we're coming out of COVID, where is a venue where right. we could really, you know, do uh, due diligence to allow somebody to come of this caliber and then allow the public to be able to enjoy him. So I'm really grateful to Great Falls Public School District for making that available, and we're really excited to have Dr. Moulton come and spend some time with Great Falls. So what's he going to do? Just say, hey guys, open questions, or is he going to have um, insight? Tell us about any mistakes. Well, he's absolutely going to have insight. Well, I mean, 
Hey guys, and absolutely, certainly, there will be some questions that will be taken. And uh, you know, does he have a formal presentation? Uh, I haven't seen the idea preview notes. We're of really his getting presentation. some <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's what's happening. That's all you need to know. Well, and then also, there's going to be a dinner the night before at the Celtic Cowboy. I know you have to get tickets for that. Those you need, yeah, tickets. make advanced reservations. That same number again: four five two five six six one. Area code four zero six. Area code. What I wonder is. Because we are Montana's number one podcast, <laughs> what it would take to have him be a guest on our show. Are you kidding me? When I get when I think about the ideas to ask people, like, hey, um, <laughs> do you want to take like an hour and a half out of your day and just talk with us? And Chat, share some stuff that you like, might know. like to do this. And he's going to say, I don't have time for you. No. <laughs> or he's going to say, here's my, ri- my hospitality writer. And here is... Um, the things that I will require, and this is my speaking. I know key. number one is a gold mic, so got that Ding. covered. Right. We got that one handled. Do you have his contact information, or should I just <laughs> do what I did for four zero six four four five two five six six one? Well, you you know I might as well ask. We had Brandon Lanster or Brandon from Lanco, the country band. Okay. They're coming for the Fourth of July hootenanny. Yeah, so it was like. I'd like him to do a What's Up Wednesday video for our Facebook page. So might as well just ask. So I just Googled his agent, found her email, and she's like, sure. Here's the his management. I got a video back from Brandon. And he, Man, just like that. Just like that. And he says it's Great Falls is the best damn town even. <laughs> we, um, we did want him to be on the podcast. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but we try. We try things. <laughs> Sometimes I'm a believer in making them tell you no. You know what? I don't know what I would talk with him for an hour. Just you guys are going to play a concert. It's free. It's after the parade. <laughs> Tell Glad us about your songs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not related to Montana. No. I mean, no. If, besides the fact that they're here, I can tell them all about it. Um, but other than We that, could tell them all about Invasive Species, Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center, the Sam Russell Museum, Giant Spring State Park. I would Rivers just be talking trail. and he'd be like, why did my agent agree to this? <laughs> <laughs> this woman is crazy. Just we, like you question why the- you agree to come in. <laughs> here <laughs> we gave him the bowl of peanut m&ms it was in his rider he's here that's yeah. all that matters Blue ones removed except for one taped to the bottom <laughs> so there's going to be the dr molten um presentation the ticketed one before is there any other thing that we need to know uh, there's going to be drummers there right or dancers, dancers and drummers from the uh, blackfoot nation okay yeah. in the blackfoot nation is that the tor- sort of TP that you guys make at the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center, or do you make a different tribes type? So there is actually, we're going to take the TP that we traditionally have out there throughout the summer. We're going to take that one down, um, and there will be some, uh, my understanding is they're going to bring in a painted TP, which brings a lot of symbolism with it as well, and not to mention they're just beautiful. Yes. And uh, so we'll, one of those will be set up, and then the the honor guard is likely going to have another teepee set up as well. So, uh, yeah, you're going to see a little different uh, landscape decoration, if you will, out there on the 10th. Okay. Um, there's also going to be the Lewis and Clark Adventure Challenge, and that is a activity really focused on families. What What is this? So this is... Uh, <laughs> It's basically a 1.2-mile hike set up between the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center and Giant Springs State Park. And along the route, there will be six educational stations that are going to be teaching 
little things about uh, the core discovery and things that they experienced on the expedition or maybe some of the natural history or some of the navigation techniques that uh, they would have uh, used uh, to navigate their way across the landscape. And again, it's a partnership between us and Giant Springs, so both of the properties are used. Uh, really targeted probably towards elementary age children, but really anybody that's interested would enjoy. We get a lot of people who are like, I didn't even know these trails existed right here on the edge of town. Right. And oh, this, what a beautiful place to sit here and overlook the Missouri River or look at overlook the fishing pond there over by Giant Springs. And I don't and, like uh, that you said it's geared towards elementary children. <laughs> I'm almost offended because... Yeah. Before, when you taught us how to make a fire with bison poop, you're like, the kids love this. <laughs> and Kristen's excited. And Kristen's thrilled. And I'm like filming the thing and they're just amazed at what we're doing. So I guess I'm, Elementary enter- kids. I'm entertained with the same thing as a child. So anyone can enjoy it, Dwayne. Anyone can enjoy it. Absolutely. And these are the things that are happening at the center during the Lewis and Clark Festival, because there's other activities that are happening in the park. Is that correct? So All of this stuff is going to happen basically between 10 a.m. in the morning and 5 p.m. So the drummers and dancers, the beaver oh, skinning, uh, a chance a to take a, a and day. learn about the botany of uh, some of the botany of the expedition that we have on the property that you can still look at today. A member of the Honor Guard, uh, Dugan Coburn, will be leading that um, they're going to have the snake demonstration. All of these things are going on that day. But back to the adventure. It's a challenge, you said, so that means you can win? Um, you can finish. <laughs> and that... And not quit. Yeah, oh. don't be a quitter. <laughs> Never. That's the adventure. You know, when you came here last and I missed you, we were doing the uh, Great Falls Craft Beer Week Olympics. That's what she told me. I had this vision pop in my mind when she shared that with me. <laughs> well, we um, it was a fun event that happens every year in Great Falls in the beginning of June. And I went to Cassiopeia Books first to get some information about their author speaking events that they have um, throughout the week. And then I went, got home ready for the Olympics. And I thought that would be a challenge that my family can then do again. Not that like my daughter competed in the Beer Olympics, <laughs> but my husband did end up winning them with his teammate. I was not. Um, Which wife. was not his it, wife. It wasn't no. you. No, no, the wives, my friend and I, yeah. we were a team. And then her husband and my husband were a team and they won. Uh, but my friend and I quit. <laughs> We didn't even finish. Oh. Again, a oh. whole lot of quit in this team. <laughs> but we still had fun throughout the night. Um, you so, wouldn't have made it on the expedition. No, I, I, we've cleared that. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't have. It's like at my house, my husband always says, you wouldn't have made it in the army. I'm like, I, I know. That's why I didn't go. Like, there nobody go. wants me as a soldier. <laughs> Told, That's why it's an all-volunteer force. <laughs> yeah, I told Jason before when he he's a meteorologist, and I said, your weather wouldn't fly in the military. He's like, I'm not in the military. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes, that's right. I forget. Like, not everyone is crazy. <laughs> we do appreciate those of you that do volunteer uh, to serve. And also to those of you who recognize you would be more of a hindrance than, than a benefit to our armed services. John Coulter was uh, an excellent story. So maybe there's other John Coulters out there now in the current force <laughs> that will have some great stories to tell. I know the Lewis and Clark Festival is a one-time event of the year, but we're hoping that the other events that the Interpretive Center hosts um, with other associations in Montana return, like the one coming in September, 
Do you think you could hint at that? The third week, it's going to be the star party extravaganza? No. No. Yeah, I <laughs> wish that was true. That is a casualty of COVID. Okay. Is it ever going to return? Maybe next year? Or do we'll I have see. to invest in a, my own... Um, Telescope. There we go. I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing the signs people. We're a team. <laughs> so with nothing I thought you were looking at a crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I guess, someone can just get a telescope on their own and, and enjoy it. Go look yeah, at I the could. sky. You know, what we do have going on uh, this year, so uh, like the traditional fire starting that uh, you were able to come and witness there at the Interpretive Center, we are doing those hands-on demonstrations every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday through the middle of August. So that's actually what I was doing before I came over here. Oh. Um, so today we did, played some traditional games, and we had fire starting. Uh, tomorrow we're going to do historic weapons. And uh, actually the, the other uh, demonstration has not been decided yet, but it will, it will be decided by tomorrow, I assure you. But folks can come and it's not an additional cost this is just something that they can do is uh, along with the experience of going through the exhibit hall and we tend to run those uh, starting at 10 o'clock in the morning through about one o'clock because after that it tends to be too warm outside yeah. for people to want to endure i love it once you know the other activity is it going to be a new activity or one that you're well versed in because you know still can't stop it'll, it'll be one that uh, we're w well versed in so it, it might be a teepee program it could be a birding adventure that's one oh. that's really popular where everybody gets a set of binoculars and they go on a search to see if they can find we've got a sheet that's got like the top 10 birds that are found in the area and they go on an adventure hunt looking to see if they can spot Find those birds, birds. Do you along win the trails. <laughs> you get to complete the activity. You're the one that always had to have a prize, right? <laughs> she gets participation <laughs> ribbons. Yeah. Whole closet of them. Nope, they're blue. Um, <laughs> the dog, the um, seaman, yes. is he, is he going to be at the center? So, uh, yes, uh, Bill Schuler and his dog, Butler, who Butler. is a Newfoundland, uh, just the same breed that Lewis had on the expedition. Um, so he will, he, he's planning to be at the, uh, on the 10th of July at our festival, yes. And he uh, typically is coming in every Wednesday morning and every Saturday morning from roughly 9 until 1, mm -hmm. uh, just to greet visitors that come into the Interpretive Center on those days. So yeah, he's very gracious with his time and uh, Butler is always a hit. Uh, when he is there to with everybody. The children, with the children? With everyone. With everyone. Well, okay. <laughs> with people who like dogs. Exactly. Absolutely. We did learn through some of our social media posts not everybody likes dogs. They don't perform as well as they're just stunning I don't landscape photos. It, I put a dog with a stunning landscape photo and it doesn't get as many engagement or reach. And I was like, do you have soul? Do you have a soul? Like, I'm <laughs> they're dogs. Everybody loves a dog. The... Um, the staff at the Interpretive Center, if you haven't picked up by this by now, a lot of volunteers there that just dedicate their time and they're there. So please don't be rude to them if it is busy or complain that the center wasn't open seven days a week like it was prior. I'm just a little defensive right now because people don't understand that phones do still exist and they can pick it up and give us a call at whatever number starting with 406 and ask about the hours when I went there on Wednesday two weeks ago and I was yeah. with uh, the executive director Jay Russell 
I met the volunteers there for the first time because otherwise they were your interns or um, the just the staff. Or, or just, the staff. Or just the staff. So I was like, you're back. Welcome. <laughs> I'm so fi- like happy I get to meet you. And she's who are you with? <laughs> I'm a tourist. I'm like, what are you filming? I'm like, okay. And so <laughs> they're fun. I, I yeah. really, oh. really, really like them. You know, there's a, a lot of really just shining spots there at the Interpretive Center, but uh, our volunteer cadre. What a what a treasure they are! And just they're to, so committed. That's what I just love about them. It's it's not to them. It's a job. It's the it's a purpose driven job that they show up to do every day. It's not like I'm just gonna go down and volunteer and see what happens. No, they're committed. They're they knowledgeable. Committed. They're most they're of them ready. are there for a shift at least once a week. They yeah. come in and and serve for at least four hours. Many of them have done that, and we have some that are still there. In fact. As I was getting ready to come over here, I, uh, uh, Sue Watson was just coming on shift at 1 o'clock to work out at the information desk, and she's been there since that place has opened. That's oh. impressive. That's awesome. impressive. I w- yeah. love to hear that, and it's just a shining example of our community, too. Yes, it is. So, Dwayne, we want to thank you for coming in on the podcast. While we've been in our la-la land for almost an hour, I'm sure the Interpretive Center has probably hit 400 visitors in one day. Likely. It was busy when I left. Yeah, we uh, we got some re-energizing, some uh, re-energizing in our uh, attitudes or demeanor, but we're gonna have to go out there and and help those five thousand people that want to know where the falls are, where they can get Lewis and Clark history. I didn't say interpretive. Um, <laughs> Yay! And what you guys are doing there, because we're very excited whenever we share it with um, everyone else, and I'm just glad to get the feedback that they're enjoying it too, and that you guys are overwhelmed with all those people. people. You're selling well, because, yeah, they're, they are coming one after another from when we open the gates until the day is done. Is there a line in the morning? Uh, there has been, not every morning, but this morning when we opened the doors, yeah, there was Alrighty. about eight people actually standing there, and then so the other people, as soon as the doors open, you saw a car cart. doors start open. Actually, you saw them start dismounting from their bikes. We had uh, a lot of motorcycles bike. there this morning. Exactly. First thing. <laughs> I'm one of those people that's at the door. I don't want to be waiting in my car and like get distracted with a good song to right. sing Madonna to I'm myself. Be there. <laughs> I want to stare you down to so you know I'm here. Like hello, it's open the doors now. Why aren't we open? No, I'm kidding. I'm not one of those people. I understand they're volunteering. They need their coffee too. So once again, thanks for visiting with us. If you have any information about the Lewis and Clark Festival, you can find it on our website, visitgreatfallsmontana.org, and also with the Lewis and Clark Foundation website, which we're going to link in our show notes. All this and more with our show notes is on werenodamexperts.com. If you have any questions, email me at information at visitgreatfalls.org or give us a call at, you guessed it, 406 406- Before I close the show, one more point of clarification. I always tell people about the bear sculpture on River's Edge Trail because there's 27 works of art on it. And the bear sculpture is where one of the people, either Lewis or Clark, had an encounter. Yeah, Captain Lewis, 14 June. There we go. Just a few weeks ago. It was 216 <laughs> years ago. Yeah, <laughs> just like, a few weeks like ago. Like a week ago. The Lewis. anniversary of it. I mean, <laughs> so now I just have to remember Lewis had the bear encounter, and then I'll be super knowledgeable from now on. I remember it because it's Lewis and Merriweather, and I remember the story of 
Merriweather was not merry that day. <laughs> so, hey, it works for I me. I love okay? your creativity. <laughs> you know, I'm here all week. <laughs> and it's Friday. So. Yay. She's practically done. <laughs> so until we see you here in Great Falls, we love that you're listening. We love that you're creating memories wherever you are. And we can't wait to see you soon in Great Falls, Montana. Bye-bye. See you now. We're No Damn Experts is the recorded claims from Great Falls, Montana, covering what you need to know about this amazing damn town. Damn, that felt good. On the next episode of We're No Damn Experts, we're going to tell you where you can find Ted Bundy's house in Great Falls, Montana, as well as some dinosaurs and sharks. So stay tuned. We're No Damn Experts is produced by Great Falls Montana Tourism with original music by the best damn musician, Joel Corda.